When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Still on pins and needles? Let's continue episode six with, wait, wait for it. Our conversation on cliffhangers. P.S. It was Kristen Shepard. So obvious. All right. So uh, our guy, Iron Beeble, which uh, some of you may know, some of you may know better. Some of you may know not at all. Uh, had a bunch of entries. And as always, <laughs> he kind of he kind of hit me in the feels with a few of them. Um, one of them, he brought up, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit, which is always a good spot to hit me. The real crowd um, pleaser. Yeah. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. <laughs> Love that quote. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote down, Aaron. Um, yes. <laughs> I'll have what she's having <laughs> when Harry met Sally. Oh, and I have one. to give you a shout out for that because <laughs> that is a great fucking movie. If you've not seen When Harry Met Sally, please do. Uh, but but that is like even, no matter what your feelings are on on that movie, it is really a, a seminal part of the eighties. Yeah, like it Absolutely. kind of defined the classic relationship problem. Yes, orgasms. <laughs> no. Whether whether guys can be friends with girls, in all honesty, in all reality, you you also included in this one, Aaron. One of this is this is a great quote too, from uh, Dark Helmet and Spaceballs. So, okay. Lone Star, <laughs> you see that evil will always <laughs> triumph because good is dumb. <laughs> Which. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm really surprised that nobody came in here and said, you know, from Spaceballs, have you found anything? We ain't found uh, shit. See, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the problem with, like, quoting all these 80s movies, that, like, sooner or later, you're quoting the whole damn movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it's a good enough movie, yeah. Depending on the movie that you, you know, that, that you want to put out there. So, all right, so let's let's get off the Reddit threads here. Um, and and run through everybody on the podcast right now. So, uh, Aaron, if you had to pick one, what, what what to you is your favorite '80s movie quote? Uh, can I use one of the ones that I posted to Reddit? Sure. Yeah. We didn't read all of them, so. Uh, if I'm going to try to steer uh, steer clear of something painfully obvious. I really like that one from Back to School, where it says, why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? (laughs) (laughs) Which is just classic Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) I was giggling to myself all day today about that I miss that man. (laughs) I miss that man. And that was such a fucking good movie, too. That was, it was great. Such a good movie. All right, John, what's yours? Oh. So here's the thing. I couldn't think of, like, one quote that I love from the decade of the 80s. 
But what I did think of quotes or lines from movies that I anxiously waited for when I started watching these movies. That's what it's right. all about. Man. And one of them is The Breakfast Club, which anything that, that John Bender says in The Breakfast Club is is quotable. Oh, yeah. But when he sits down next to Brian and says, P, B, and J with the crust cut off. Well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch. All the food groups are represented. Did your mom marry Mr. Rogers? Uh, no, Mr. No, Johnson. Mr. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. <laughs> what about yours, Chris? What do you got? I, I got a few. There was one that was mentioned on the board, so I don't know that I want to. I don't know that I want to mention that well, one. We'll give credit where credits due. Okay. Uh, was it was it you that uh, that that did the uh, the Blues Brothers quote? No, that was uh, Iron Beeble. That was Beeble, I think. Okay. Well. Love the Blues Brothers quote. Huge Blues Brothers fan. So that there's the, you know, it's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. The next one's a little, the next one's a little risque. So is there a voice you'd rather me do it in? It depends. How <laughs> risque are you talking? It's a little risque. Do it in a sexy voice, yeah. Chris. Let's hear it. Private pile, I'm going to give you three seconds. Exactly three fucking seconds to wipe that stupid looking grin off your face. Or I will gouge out your eyeballs and skull fuck you. Regard, regardless of your personal beliefs, I mean, <laughs> you're going to step on a toe mm. with that one. Um, all right, so uh, mine is fairly obvious. Um, if if you've listened to this podcast at all, or if you've been a friend of mine, or if you're just a casual onlooker like my fucking neighbors, you know that I have an obsession with the Ghostbusters that never stops. And I think the one that I put down on the uh, the boards today, and it sunk straight to the bottom. I was pretty disappointed in Reddit about that, but uh, I'm 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 gonna do the whole scene here, Ray. Everything was fine until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Peck. They caused an explosion. Mayor Lenny. Is this true? Venkman. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> that is one of my favorite yeah. scenes. Fucking Absolutely. Great. It's so great. Uh, another one, and this fits into what John was talking about with, uh, you know, the lines that you wait for when you start up a movie. I've talked about Lost Boys. Lost Boys is one of my favorite movies. Um, I fucking love it. Love it to this day. We'll always love it. It's just one of those things that stuck with me. But there was a part, um, when Michael, who is your, your main protagonist, is sort of figuring out that he's becoming... A, a, a vampire and uh, si he's sitting there with the vampires like hanging out at night and he's eating like rice out of a uh, out of a Chinese container and Kiefer Sutherland turns to him and says says something and he says you're, you're eating maggots Michael how do they taste and then he looks down at his rice and it's just a, 
a Chinese container full of maggots. And then he drops it and freaks out. And then shortly after that is is one of my favorite scenes in that movie, which is where uh, I, you guys have all seen The Lost Boys, right? I have yes. not. Oh, oh my God, have you not? I Yeah, I, I'm... I'm We're sorry. beyond spoiler point now. <laughs> oh, yes, sorry. God, you got to see that movie. Trust me, if I ever do watch it, I will forget all about these details. Oh, my God, you got to see it. Okay, so there's a part, like, this isn't really a spoiler, but uh, but but right after that part is the part where they uh, drop down, and they're on that, like, uh, it's like a bridge for trains, like an overpass kind mm-hmm. of thing, and they're all hanging down, and there's the fog below. Yeah. And the train comes over, and they're all like, they're they're playing a game where they have to hang on as long as they can, and then everybody's dropping down one at a time, and they're falling into like the fog below. It's right before that scene, and uh, that scene just sticks with me. That whole movie sticks with me. I don't know why. I think it's because uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire is in it as a vampire. Did not expect that as a child. <laughs> But I'm glad I got to see it. Okay, so uh, we've got to kind of swing through here um, and do an abbreviated version of the rest of the chapter. That won't be hard because there's not a whole lot to go over, uh, like I said, through the middle of the chapter. Um, Wade starts to say that basically he's he's not just looked into these movies. He's gone a little bit insane over them. Um, And it doesn't just stop at movies. It goes through sitcoms. Uh, you know, greatest American hero, Airwolf, the A-Team, Knight Rider. I gotta say, I'm a little surprised that when we did Myosis Rides, nobody said the A-Team van. I don't know how that got missed, but not a single person out of over 60 people said the A-Team van is their Oasis ride. I guess I understand that. Nobody wants yeah. a fucking van. I mean, you get to middle age, the last thing you want is a van. You gotta That's have the, my joke. You gotta have the mustache to go along with it. <laughs> Unless you're hunting for children and you've got a big bag of candy sitting next to you. Yeah. Uh, so, so we go over sitcoms from the 80s, A-Team, Knight Rider, Misfits of Science, Muppet Show, um, Star Trek, of course, he's seen all of that, um, TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, think about it, he's seen it. Uh, this extends to, to Saturday morning cartoons, Land of the Lost. Thundar the Barbarian, He-Man, Schoolhouse Rock, G.I. Joe. A little bit of muddying between 70s and 80s here, but we're going to let that slide. Um, and H.R. Puff and stuff. Now, Aaron. Yes. When you and I spoke yesterday, you brought up a fantastic point. Even John brought it up at the beginning of the episode, but we cut him off just so that we could talk about this. Um, yeah. You brought up a really great point, and it's about uh, the balance of time <laughs> to absorb all of this. Yeah, I mean, like, think about it. We haven't even gotten through, like, half the things that he's listed in this chapter. And this is the point where he says, you can get a lot of research done when you have no life. And he said, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So that's about 22,000 hours, <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure there's like 22,000 things in this list. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's got to do all, he's got to, you know, watch all these movies, all these TV shows, uh, read all the comic books, play all the video games. Multiple times. 
multiple times because he's got to master them and memorize all the lines of dialogue. Uh, he's got to find time to watch the cute, geeky girls uh, playing the 80s covers on ukuleles. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And he's still got to do homework. He's got to do whatever he can do to get his, uh, you know, because he's not getting the meal vouchers. So he's got to, like, you know, right. fi- fix Oasis consoles and, you know, fix, you know, broken printers and code his Atari game. Uh and do all that stuff, Cyberstock, Artemis. <laughs> so, I'm I'm just gonna call shenanigans on the fact that he could do right. all that. I w- yeah. When I read it, I thought this is ten years plus of pop culture. Oh, and you're to be conservative, and you're condensing it into he says a couple. It took me a couple years. Well, even if even if you say from day one of the hunt till what is today in this chapter, which they say is about five years. Right. Even even with the motivation of what $240 billion or whatever, sooner or later you just get a fatigue where you just you can't <laughs> just be doing this all the time. Right. <laughs> I mean like yes, some of those games are really good, but some of them are just not good. Yeah. Fucking terrible. <laughs> God awful. God awful. I mean, like, <laughs> That Alcalabath, I put up a video of somebody playing that. And it might actually have been pretty advanced for its time because it was still that sort of go forward, go forward, turn right. It was text-based, but they tried to draw it out. Okay. So like adventure? uh, Leisure Suit Larry? No, the Leisure (laughs) Suit Larry looked brilliant in comparison. I put it on Facebook. If you're curious, okay. it's there. Uh, but it was—it's uh, painful to watch now. Yeah. It's it maybe slightly better than Pong. But, I might have enjoyed Pong more. But I mean, like, it's a really good point because I feel like it's a like it's a plot hole that gets plugged up too quickly. You know, I mean, like, how in the fuck does Wade manage to get through all of this within the span of five years? Yeah. It's impossible. It couldn't happen. It absolutely could not happen. I know he has no life, but it just it just sounds so out of whack with reality. Like that's 22,000 hours. And I mean like what do you think the average amount of time per title he spends? 2 hours. If you want to give it two hours, I, I, yeah. I would say so like, like if you're if you're going movies, like let's say average two hours. Yeah, you say movies are two hours. Say like your average novel by any of those authors is call it like eight to ten hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and not only that, you're doing this all while having this uh, the Oasis visor on. So like you got these lights just shooting at your face, <laughs> right into your eyeballs. <laughs> He's blind by now. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I just I'm calling shenanigans yeah. on it. Yeah. Well, he does say he does say that that the almanac contains thousands of references to Holiday's favorite books, TV shows, movies, songs, graphic novels. Not tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, not twenty-two thousand, but thousands. So even if he just brushed on each of those for, you know. A few hours, 
each. That still, I mean, that doesn't even take into account that like a TV show is gonna could have nine seasons of twenty two episodes. Right. Well, he even says that right. uh, the music took him quite a while to get through. Like yeah. I just thought right. the music alone because he doesn't because he doesn't have discerning taste. Yeah. So he's all over the fucking map. So you're when listening it comes to, to music. everything that came out of the eighties, music wise. I, here's the thing. Uh, this stuck with me, and I don't know why. But did you know that Midnight Oil was an Australian band with a 1987 hit titled Beds Are Burning? Fuck yeah, I did. Because <laughs> Beds Are Burning is an awesome song. I love that song. I'm the only one. I think you <laughs> No, it was fucking popular at the time, man. It I wore, loved that it song. wore the radio station out. And that's the only song I can think of by Midnight Oil. The time has come. Dun, dun, dun. To pay the rent. We got all kinds of other music from Van Halen, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Pink Floyd. Which didn't really have a huge impact on the 80s, Pink Floyd, did they? Uh, that, was, uh, that was their worst decade. Let's just say that outright. Cause was that Echoes territory? No, e- Echoes was before that. So The Wall came out. It was technically released in 1979, but you could call that an 80s album. Okay. Yes. And then it was like the final cut, which was garbage in my opinion. And then Roger Waters left. So then you get um, momentary lapse of reason. Yeah, and yeah. Basically, that's, that's not Pink yeah. Floyd. And it's a different Pink Floyd then. But so when did Dark Side of the Moon come out? That was like 72, 73. Okay, yeah, that was early. Right. But it also spent, what, 10 years on the Billboard no, chart? No, more than that. It was on It was on the Billboard charts till the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like the, it was in the top 200 for like, it might still even be there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it was like thirty years. <laughs> so I I understood why it why Pink Floyd was mentioned. That and it's it's it kind of goes to point that that it's silly lyrics by bands with names like I mean when you're gonna pull out like goofy sounding band names, Bon Jovi doesn't sound like anything. Def Leppard, well Van Halen, Pink Floyd. I'll I'll lift the veil on this. John and I are both like very pretentious music snobs for the most part. And one thing that we can always agree on is that Pink Floyd is fucking phenomenal. Yes. Absolutely. And Fine. every other band that saying. was referenced is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Van Halen, Bon Jovi. Van Halen, Bon Jovi, and Def Leppard were were and then late eighties. Police were late eighties. Journey. Police is awesome. And they might be giants. I don't know. You know what? Frankly, I didn't think they might be giants was a huge name. They might be giants. He spends yeah. a lot of time talking about them. I mean, like I can think of like one one song of theirs that I like. I didn't recognize that. I didn't realize they had like a huge discography. They, I mean, they they kind of do. Uh, they do, but, but you've probably only really heard of anything from like three albums. Mm-hmm. Istanbul. Was that was that or is it Istanbul called Constantinople? Constantinople. Constantinople. Yeah. yeah, I love that yeah. song. That's the one song. That's yeah. the one song. Yeah, they they do kind of seem like the the oddball in the in the in the right. That, yeah, but but at the same time they fit they fit Klein really well. Yeah, like they fit his they fit his whole persona in this book or, or Wade's like Wade would be interested in. They might be giants. 
So at this point, we get into uh, uh, Wade's Dream Jeopardy cap category, which is video games. Clearly, Wade is 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 an expert at video games. Uh, he knows what the fuck he's doing. For all the name dropping he does, this is the place. This is where the name dropping should be done. Right. He na- mentions two games, A to Z, and then a third one down the road in another paragraph. But just three fucking games. I will say this. I will say this. This is a really good chapter to draw somebody like Aaron in, who's Aaron is admittedly right out of the gate, not a video game guy. But he is a pop culture guy. Right? Yeah, you can call me that. And we've we've talked we've talked about video games throughout this book pretty extensively. This is one chapter where he just kind of glosses over it. And I don't know if that's like a last-minute attempt to kind of draw other readers in, because not everybody is a video game person. It's, it's, it's actually a pretty specific sort of... Uh, He's also dropped proclivity. a lot of names to this point, as far as video games. Yeah, yeah at this point, his well, fingers are tired. Yeah, He's tired of uh, Googling, yeah. but the, potentially. I think he just, <laughs> But he peppers the rest of the book with these references. So, like, re- referencing them here would almost be redundant. Right. Yeah. Or to advance, like, you know, to mention it here and then mention it in the other places in the book, it, it'd be a repeat. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that if you think about this list and then, like, for those of us that have read on, what else is re- referenced later, I think you start to understand why some things were included or not included. Sure. So, you know, whether it's comics, movies, video games, whatever, uh, we get a pretty good idea of what's in the almanac. It's not everything. Because obviously the almanac is huge, but it's it's a good cross section of what you could expect to find in the almanac. So at this point, we're we're in Latin class. Wade is in Latin class, but we're in there with him, and we're thinking about Halliday's Easter egg, of course, because that is what is always on Wade's mind, and. He's going through the almanac now. Uh, he's found a way to get through the library's defenses and open up the almanac in class to kind of entertain himself. And he's stuck on the four lines from uh, Anorak's invitation. Three hidden keys open three secret gates, wherein the errant will be tested for worthy traits. And those with the skill to survive these traits will reach the end where the prize awaits. Uh, he also mentions at this point that uh, there's something that's been sort of unearthed for every Gunter out there to see. Um, and that is that within the text of the book, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, within the text of the book, there are little notches take the, uh, taken out of certain characters. All in all, it's 112 characters, actually, um, that spell out, The copper key awaits explorers in a tomb filled with horrors, but you have much to learn. If you hope to earn a place among the high scorers. Now, the thing that we want to talk about here is, at this particular point in the chapter, is is not the impact of these five lines, but the fact that these five lines or this little Easter egg within the almanac was discovered, I think, a year after the contest started. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, this is something you and I had talked about uh, before. How the fuck did nobody else find this? 
or come to the conclusion that Wade comes to at the end of this chapter, whatever it may be. I thought it was interesting that they said that they interviewed this guy for a whole month. Right. It's like, what are you talking about for a whole month? <laughs> There's like the wars same and famine or whatever in this dystopian society, and they're interviewing this guy who found these lines. Sounds like a really slow news cycle. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's the other way around. It's the news is going to latch onto what people are interested in. News doesn't really report on the news or events. It's meant to get people to look at commercials. And the only way you can do that is if you sh- flash shiny shit at them. And this is a story people are going to cue into. Nobody cares if somebody's dying in another country. It doesn't really touch your miserable existence in this book. But when it comes to something you are in- interacting with, particularly the hunt, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they spent like a whole week talking to this guy or a month talking to him. Hell, we got news channels that do that now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 ridiculous like something right. happens nothing will change for 24 hours and somebody will be on a street kind of going through the tinfoil movement you know that well we think he could have climbed up this tree we don't know we didn't see it they have to keep us back by 100 yards but we're still looking over there and there's still cars we see cars driving oh my god that's that's our news now you know it's, it doesn't surprise me at all that they'd be totally focused on what's going to grab people's attention and who cares about well, the real life drama? Think about shit? it this way, right? I mean, you could ask somebody who the congressman is in their particular district, or even ask somebody what district they're in, their what, what congressional district they're in, and they won't fucking know. But if you I ask them who I... Kanye West is <laughs> or who he's uh, married to, they could give you that fucking answer right off the bat. Uh, it sucks that I know the answer to that question. Uh, you do. I guarantee I do. you do. John God. knows it too, and he fucking hates himself for it. This is why we're we're going to end up in this dystopian society because we know that answer, but we don't know what congressional district we're in. Exactly. Part That's... of me hopes that you're right because I really want the Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me hopes you're wrong because I have a little bit of hope for humanity. It's a very small, like, it's a very smidgen. It's a smidgen of disgust, but it's there. I'm I'm not a video gamer, but God damn it, I want the Oasis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At, at that point, the video, the Oasis isn't a video game; it's an alternate reality. I want head meat sand. Just head fucking give sand. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I still think, like, I'm I'm probably apart from you guys. I I still think that the Oasis is a head in the sand kind of thing. Oh, it yeah. absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But so are video games today. Yeah, yep. exactly. So is the internet. So is television, exactly. podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I play, I'm, I'm on my fucking, I started my 10th playthrough this week of Fallout. Fallout 4. 10th playthrough. I know exactly what the fuck is going to happen. Sorry, I've, I've read this book three times this year, and I'm probably going to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what happens. But... It's a place for you to exist for a little while. It's a place for you to experience. It's what the Oasis is for a lot of people. But regardless, no matter how, how deeply people you know, live in this culture, or even the Gunters uh, live within the contest, uh, you know, that, that's their sort of you know, video, you know, video game. That's their end game, is, is to reach the egg. Somehow within four years, nobody's managed to extrapolate this sentence. And it was put out there initially, even though Wade specifies that he found it 
a full six months before this guy, a guy named Stephen Pendergrass from MIT. Sounds like a was, douchebag. <laughs> he does sound like a fucking douchebag. <laughs> Comes out and is the first one to say, I found this secret, right? And is so lambasted by the community uh, of Gunters that it's become known as pulling a pentagrast to take your secrets and throw them out into the news community. Because anything that you can find at this point is newsworthy if it pertains to the hunt. Because remember, the hunt's not necessarily an urban myth, even though people are starting to kind of feel like it is. But anything that comes out uh, that's of any sort of relevance or seems in any way tangible is is going to be blown out as a news story. Because, let's face it, there's 240-some-odd billion dollars on the line. Of course it is. But Pendergrast is the first one to publicly come out with what they call in the book the Limerick. Then um, the Limerick goes, The copper key awaits explorers in a tomb filled with horrors. But you have much to learn if you hope to earn a place among the high scorers. That's found, as we said before, by looking at notches in the letters, which is basically a... An, I would say almost like a, a sub-hint to the egg hunt, right? I mean, he doesn't allude to the almanac really at all. I mean, I guess a little bit he does in the prologue. But he doesn't. he doesn't make any sort of and I find this interesting for some reason. He doesn't make any sort of hint about the fact that, you know, if you pour through the almanac, you're going to find some sort of very small point for a clue within the almanac. He doesn't point to that at all in, in, in Anorak's invitation. I mean, I guess he figured that somebody would find it eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you, what, what I mean, do you he, he did basically make that publicly available so like that would be the logical place to find your clue he didn't really give a clue at all though did he i mean if, if no, you think but... back to the invitation we're, we're in chapter six now we're halfway through chapter six and there's been no other mention of a clue other than interacts invitation up to this point mm-hmm. well there is though he, he gave the clue to, he would he knew that all gunters would have the book Mm-hmm. And the clue is in the book. You've just got to find it. And with so many people looking at it, I mean, that's the best place for that clue, no matter how small it is. I agree with someone's, that. Someone's going to stumble across it. So it's the perfect place to stick it, because everybody, rich or poor, is going to find that clue. So let me ask you this. This is I'm, I'm going outside of the universe here. Do you feel like we're at Chapter 6 and he's retconning this in? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't... Do you feel like this is part of, oh, you know, Ernest Klein's master plan for the story? Like he planned on this point happening, or do you feel like he retconned it in a little bit? The finding of the limerick? Yes. I think it, it had to be master plan. My guess, the only thing that he might have had to go, go back and sort the details out of was how that was discovered. Like, I don't know, part of me kind of thinks like notching letters seems almost too simple for someone like James Halliday. Sure. To you know, construct. Like, it... I would think there'd be something more clever by somebody who has been described the way he's been described up until this point. Yeah. I don't know. That that kind of... 
when I heard that, I was like notching the letters. That's a pretty freaking cool idea. Because when you print it out, you'd never notice it. You'd think it was just goofy ink, and he right. says as much. But then when you look at a, a, a an electronic version, well, that should be perfect. And I thought that's kind of a, an interesting way of putting it. Plus, it's a that it's available to so many across all spectrum of people who are interested. Uh, I think it'd have to be part of the master plan because there are it. This method is repeated in different ways, but you begin to realize that you know it. If you were to create a game like this, it would have to be a game that everyone can play. And the first step in that is that everyone has a copy of this book. Everyone's going to have it. They're going to have the clue in their hands. Isn't that the dumbest place to find the first clue? Is in a place that you've had forever and that you've probably poured through dozens of times. Um, to me, it just seems kind of brilliant. <laughs> I dig that. Well, it ties in also to a point that we can't really discuss right now. So I don't want to press that point any further. Yeah, you, you heard me struggling? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the point is, is that, you know, it, it would be very easy to retcon this part, I think. Um, because, you know, he gives that one clue, and at no point does he give any sort of hint. Now, again, we're only six chapters in, but it, it, to me that's interesting. I I'm 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 stuck on the writer's side of this. Did he plan this? Is it something that, like, when you're in that stream of consciousness, just fucking writing this chapter out, you get to a point you're like, aha, this makes the most sense to me. And the way that there's sort of a repetition of information in especially the past two or three chapters uh, around the point that leads to the cliffhanger, it leads me to believe that he almost fell into this point, which is... I, I will say retconning is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the rhythm of a writer a lot of the time. You I, know, I, I get where you're coming from, and I can see why you'd why you'd think that. I'd, yeah, I, I believe that every chapter so far has been very well contained. Sure, like the one about H, highly contained. The one about school, highly contained. Like every chapter is contained. This chapter is about him coming to an aha moment and perusing the material that he has come to this far. So let's say he was, sure, he reconned it, but this is the only place that he could stick it in, really. There's no place where this would make sense in another chapter prior. This is the perfect place for this to come in. Sure. So if it was reconned, you know, he put it in the right place. You know, to me, retcon would be like if you put something in that just didn't fit in the chapter, but you really needed to introduce it because you didn't do it beforehand and probably made sense somewhere else so can you but, think uh, of it can you think of an instance of retconning that you're specifically thinking of star wars is, is to me is the perfect experiment for fucking retconning there are uh, do you think that vader was luke's father from the very beginning of star wars oh yeah absolutely what do you think Aaron? i would say that's pro he probably was, but I don't think Luke and Leia were necessarily brother and sister until later. Yeah, I agree with that. Because there was a lot going on. Because why would he have them kiss each other <laughs> in Empire Strikes Back and then like? Yeah. Well, and more so like they're they're celebrating with the Ewoks, and you know he's like uh, he was my family, and 
I have a sister. And she's like, I know. Well, and yeah. then there's that awkward moment where they're like, I know. Yeah, somehow I always I? knew, even when I when somehow I, I always knew. A kiss. <laughs> I felt I knew like I, was I was kissing, kissing my brother. It still really turned It still felt right. That's my thing. It's really weird. <laughs> But no, that's retconning. That's retconning in action. I mean, I I think every I think every movie that decides to to boil in a an origin dead smack into the middle of a scene of some sort, like they've got to explain some shit. Yeah. I think I think Suicide Squad is a perfect example of just <sighs> shitty writing and oh, retconning. Ca- it, hey, congratulations! You bothered to see that piece of shit? I, I watched it, I, and it was I did terrible. I, I've the, heard I that. Just, the, uh, everything about did that you movie see it was bad. I did not. I did not. Will Smith was Will Smith was okay. I actually questioned the the casting of Will Smith until I watched the movie and I understood. I'm it, sure it felt he like did this movie. Well. I'm sure he it was felt like, like what the fuck movie, am I doing here? That movie was so below him. Here's my question: You wouldn't do like is independent like I didn't see Independence Day Resurgence. I did, but was it really that fucking bad? That he was like, yeah, I'll do Suicide Squad. Uh, let, me, let me tell you this. I watched Independence Day Insurgents over the course of two nights. First night, I wasn't able to finish it, and I got maybe maybe a quarter of the way through. And I thought, ah, this really isn't terrible. And then the next night when I finished it, I thought, oh, my gosh, could this get any worse? <laughs> it was so bad. So yes. So don't watch it is what you're saying. Oh, if you're gonna watch so you're it, not seen it, watch either. the first forty minutes or so, <laughs> and then stop, and then just imagine a, a an ending. Yeah. And then whatever movie. you do to get as messed up as you possibly can, whether that's drinking a bunch of whiskey, yeah. or whatever, do that at that point. Come up, come up with your up own period. ending, and it'll be and it'll be a great movie. <laughs> just make shit up in your head. But if I had to compare the two, Suicide Squad and Independence Day Insurgents, if you were Will Smith, which one would you choose? Suicide to do? Squad. It made sense. Really? It was there's, just poorly there's done. There's the chance. Well, and they've already said that there's going to be a spinoff that 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 goes around Deadeye, Dead, whatever the fuck his name is. It's just he, there's going to be a spinoff in the works for his character alone. So when they come to him and say, "Look, dude, we're not, we're going to do this, but it's going to introduce some superhero characters. Superheroes are huge right now. You're going to be badass with a gun, and then we're going to have a spinoff movie. How are you going to turn yeah, that he down? Was, he was the I the mean, only decent part of that movie." Everything else is. I mean, crap. Independence Day Two is basically just going back to the well. <laughs> not not they, a good well. I didn't. The reason well. I the it reason I watched it was because Jeff Goldblum <laughs> was in it. So the only reason. <laughs> I thought, can he really do a bad movie? And yes, the answer is yes, <laughs> he can. Have you seen his light bulb commercial? Light bulb. All right. So. Oh yeah, Jeff so, Goldblum, GE. Okay. Look that up. Yeah. This conversation continues, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so here we are in Latin class, as we have been for the past little while, and we're mulling over the secret passage, or semi-secret passage. Uh, the copper key awaits explorers in a tomb filled with horrors. Tomb filled with horrors is something that sticks out. Uh, but you have much to learn if you hope to earn a place among the high scorers. 
So here we find Wade toiling over those last few lines, right? Um, and he can't really calibrate himself to the content of those lines. What, what, what significance does it have? One of the things that stands out immediately is Tomb of Horrors, which comes from a Dungeons & Dragons module. Um, the only person among us who has any real, tangible, actual, hardcore, or any core <laughs> sort of experience <laughs> with Dungeons & Dragons would be Chris. Is that right? Wait, you guys have not played D&D? No, I have. I'm just... I, I played one time. I haven't. I always wanted to. I have always wanted to as well. I, I, I really want to. And my one chance to really do that, I've now since moved 400 miles away from it. <laughs> Surely there are people near you. Yeah, I don't know them. So, Chris, you're hmm. the one with the D&D &D experience. Have you played through the Tomb of Horrors module? No, I have not. <laughs> uh, I did a little research. I pulled it up and... Uh, it's really cool looking, but a lot of the stuff that I did in the 80s was way further along than that particular module. Like, that module was 70s. Really? So, pretty sure. Um, I don't want to take the time to look it up now, but uh, I thought that that was more of a 70s yeah. thing because D&D came out in the 70s, early 70s. Uh, but, but what I did were other modules or just games, modules that people invented because there was enough in the books at that point that you could create your own mm -hmm. if you wanted to. And a lot of people did. So Tomb of Horrors was pre, like, your dungeon master creating his own thing. Oh, yeah. He was still following, like, a linear storyline from the modules that Gygax put out. No, like, the guys that I played with generally were building their own stories. Well, no, I'm saying that prior to you playing, like mm. when Tomb of Horrors came out, they were probably still just going very linear through the story that Gygax was putting out for like Tomb of Horrors and things like that. Yeah, but if you look at the Tomb of Horrors map, there's a lot of places that you could enter, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of places you could go and a lot of places you could miss. In this case, like, you could pick an entrance and totally avoid another entrance and never go back to that entrance. There are things you could avoid or treasures you could miss. So uh, it's, it is laid out like a map, like a large map. There is no one path, mm -hmm. but a lot of the paths converge as you get closer to the end goal. And, and that's because you do want it to be linear. At some point, you just want multiple roads to kind of come to the mm -hmm. same place and then you choose the roads you take and whether you want to go back and explore the other roads or so on so it is it is an interesting map that they've got here i'm not looking at the map right now actually and it's an interesting point that you bring up because there are a million fucking roads that you can go down there's a million different interpretations that you could have to that passage the limerick but one of them leads to of course the copper key now in four years as Aaron so aptly pointed out nobody's fucking figured it out based on the passage that we have or the one thing that we know leads to the copper key because he basically says it but at this very moment in the book right now in Latin class in Miss Rank Miss Rank's class Wade Watts has an epiphany. The epiphany 
That may or may not, we don't know yet, leads him to the copper key. And scene. And scene. Um, I do have to ask, though, uh, since you brought up Miss Rank again, um... We we joked about we, no we joked about how like oh Latin class uh, how what a perfect name Miss Rank, but he also believes he f- knows where uh, the key is to be found, which is ranking him on the high scores in this chapter mm-hmm. in this classroom. Oh shit! So does rank hold <laughs> multiple meanings in this chapter? Huh? Mind oh, wow. blown. Whoa, yeah, well done, because that lends to the whole AI thing. I hadn't thought about that. Which is, if this is an AI teaching a class, and it's a, an old oh. AI, I mean, he, this could, yo, wow. Wow. <laughs> well done. Way to save that. How long have you been sitting on that, man? <laughs> no, you just brought it up. It, <laughs> when you, when well you mentioned done. rank like, a couple no, times, I, I said like, that. I would have been like, all right, chapter six, here it goes. Rank, what do you think? That's got to be beyond coincidence. I would that think so. That's great, man. Holy shit, I, I missed that thought completely. About that. Just such some... a subtle nuance. It is. Why pick Miss Rank? You know? There's got to be a reason good. for it. That's interesting. That's fucking clever. I knew Brilliant. I was a part of this podcast for a reason. Brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> Not that's, because that's, I'm the smart that's... one. <laughs> no, no, that's but but the, no, that's the benefit to reading the book for the first time. Mm-hmm. Is that that's the kind of shit that just, whew, you know, I mean, probably most people when they read this book, they read through it so quickly that they miss subtle nuances like that. Yeah, that's the point of the podcast. I mean, the fact that you picked that up. I mean, I read right the fuck over that, and I read yeah. into things way too yeah. deeply. Well, I mean, it's just kind of clever how bo- he's in this. Boring Latin class. I mean, Latin class has been boring right. for everybody who took it, right? <laughs> for the most part, yeah. You know, and so you associate mm-hmm. the name rank, uh, in that kind of in that way. Like, oh, of course it's rank. It's Latin class, right? But then you come to the end of the chapter and you realize that he's putting he's going to put himself on the scores list. They do bring up very specifically the high scores, right. so. Fuck, dude, I wish I could talk to you about this deeper right now. Yeah. I wish mm. we could bring up other points in the book, but we can't. That's it. We're, we're done with chapter six. <laughs> well, all right, so speaking of cliffhangers. <laughs> speaking Segway. of cliffhangers. Did I, did I just lay uh, a, a bigger cliffhanger than... <laughs> you did not. Okay. No, you didn't lay a bigger <laughs> cliffhanger than the like, one I you've got to yeah, hang out with until you're done editing the episode. But I don't know. But at any rate, we, you know, this is a great cliffhanger. Again... Uh, you know, Aaron joined us today because this is our first major cliffhanger in Ready Player One, um, and it poses the question: What is your favorite cliffhanger? It doesn't matter if it's from a comic book, a movie, a TV show. It doesn't matter. So, what's uh, your what is your cliffhanger? My cliffhanger, mm-hmm. season four of Dexter. Okay, can you refresh me here? Which season that was? Uh, that was the what Trinity the- Killer season. Where spoiler well, alert, Rita dies in the bathtub. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the one that got me. I, I was. Oh yeah, that was yeah, the very was end. Very good, very good cliffhanger for me. What about you, Aaron? What, what's your cliffhanger? So I put two on the subreddit. Uh, both of them were cliffhangers that 
ended a season and also the series. So you just did not know where it was going to go after that. And it was just heartbreaking. Uh, the series finale of Carnival was just ended in like the worst place possible. I don't know if any of you have seen it. Mm-hmm. I did not see that. But it was an HBO se- series. Uh, it's, it's so complex to explain. I probably want to really get into it. So then my other one was the series finale of Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Okay. Okay. Which just kind of ended in like, why can't I know what happens next? I heard that was a good show. But it didn't get uh, it was a the viewers show. That, they, that they were expecting. No, it was very unfortunate because it it was it was so well done. Yeah, you um, know, and like that's the thing too is like it's rare that if you take a movie and you turn it into a television show, it's going to work out. That was one that did. The other one was the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, <laughs> which I don't know if you guys watched that, but I watched it when I was a kid and I fucking loved it. Mm-mm. I watched it a little bit, but I didn't get into it. It was so good. So those are my two. Nice. If I had more time, I would have thought about it more, but those were the two that really stuck out yeah. to me. It's hard to think of, yeah. uh, of cliffhangers, you know? Especially like, it, especially it, nowadays, until it's a few seasons in, and then you can stream all of them. Well, yeah, so well, exactly. Cliffhangers so, don't like, last very long. Like, I almost just said nearly every episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's good writing if you can do that I mean nearly every episode there's a cliffhanger but you can stream it now you know I mean like it's I know so like we're we're all kind of like immune to this idea of a cliffhanger yeah Uh, right now for me it'd be Westworld and Mr. Robot because I'm waiting to see what happens next in both of those okay I'm not going to describe those because you haven't seen either one of those shows. I haven't. I, so, I am I'm not going to go a into real detail. Dickhead. I give you all this shit for not reading Ready Player One, and somehow I still have not and seen. You haven't seen two of the best shows on TV right now. <laughs> right. I'm going to argue that if you've not seen Westworld by now, we are beyond spoiler. Well, <laughs> hold on. I still think that I one's kind of your fresh. spoiler expiration. Aaron, have you seen Westworld? Oh, I have not. I have do not yourself either. a favor. Okay, so we're two to two. Yeah, yeah. So, Chris, do you have a cliffhanger before we bolt out here? Yeah, like there were two. Actually, I was thinking, but the first one was Westworld, and I'm disappointed that I can't talk about. I, it's not the. It's not the. The whole show is not the cliffhanger for me, because they could not. They could decide not to do another season mm-hmm. of Westworld. And that would be fine. I'm not saying I wouldn't want another season. I'm just saying that it ended so succinctly that there wasn't a cliffhanger for me. I just look forward to if they do another season, that'd be great. So it was like me for The Matrix if Matrix 2 had never come out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'd be fine. It would work. You still live in that dream world where like, ah, maybe <laughs> another one would be good, but it definitely was not. What's your second one? What's your second? The second one? one is a classic, and you you know this. This is the one where the hero, by the end of 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 this filming, has found out that he is related to a genocidal killer. His best friend has been possibly killed as well. He himself narrowly escapes death, and his hand's been cut off, and he's stuck looking out the window, 
the backside of a starship. It's funny that the movie just like hits on this really down note. And when we're talking about, uh, um, <laughs> I almost said Return of the Jedi. <laughs> where we're talking about, um, help me, second one, Empire. 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 I just said Empire it. Strikes Back. <laughs> we're really talking about that. The movie Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. How we're many? Dicks Empire did Strikes you Back. <laughs> 37. 37. Just try not to suck any dicks on your way out to the parking lot. <laughs> hey, In a row? you, get back here. <laughs> we call him Snowball. Anyhow, <laughs> it, it's just you, you end on this down note. He has gotten the worst news of his life. His fucking hand is gone. They're putting a robotic hand on it. And, it, you know, his friend has been used. He, he, he could be killed. I mean, you find out later he's not. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anyone. <laughs> uh <laughs> Hey, no, I think all, we're the, safe the here. Robot hand is pretty <laughs> I think fucking we're safe. Awesome. Yeah, it would. It's it would just be. not as good as a real one. If, Otherwise, everyone would be cutting their hands off. If you haven't off. seen Empire Strikes Back, shut the fucking podcast off. <laughs> you're you're totally cool to do that. Just just shut this off and go watch Empire. Here, here's right the now. one. This is here's the one comment I have, to, have to make on that quote unquote cliffhanger. So he gets this news, okay, and then he hears you know Vader talking to him. And this is the first thing he's heard from him after he was told that he was his father. And he goes, father? Like, like he just accepts yeah, just it. Like, it took no time at all for him to be like, oh, yeah, yep. This man I was trying to kill is I'm my father. I'm going to doubt this for a while. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that because that has he, always bothered me. just immediately me. accepted I don't remember it, that. father. And then he goes, Ben, why didn't you tell me? Like, come on, man. You've had, like, no time to process well, this, and you should be scared of this guy. <laughs> yeah, at no point did you say, ah, oh, maybe he's full yeah. of shit, because he's you know pretty what? dishonest. Hold on a second, though. Wait, why he didn't spent he tell 30 him, like, seconds. Like, it didn't come up when they were having coffee the other day? <laughs> he spent 30 seconds searching his feelings for the truth. Yeah. That's how we know he knows. Hey, hey Ben, you're in my thoughts all the time. How the fuck did you not know that I might want to know that? <laughs> Didn't you see me go, <laughs> confronting him? I almost died. You couldn't have told me before that point. Well, his, his, his as I was his getting shit thrown at me during the fight with Vader. By the force. Knock it off, Dad. We're supposed to be throwing baseballs, not yeah. You not couldn't piping. just send me a real quick dialogue, Luke. That's your father. Get the fuck Give out of there. Give me a text. Look, you're going to want to know this. I, I should have told you this before because you want to wash this off of you when you go in there. Look, he's going to tell you something, and it's true. Fader throws like a sip. Fucking brace yourself, man. <laughs> well, he, he comes back and says, well, he, you know, was kind of dead. Like, there's nothing left of who he used to yeah. be. So, yeah. Still, like fucking semantics, Ben. Spirit. Screw you. All right. So whatever your favorite cliffhanger is, today your cliffhanger is that it finally happens right here while Wade is sitting daydreaming in Latin class. So begins your first cliffhanger of Ready Player One, and so ends Chapter 6. First of all, before we get going, um, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever platform that you use. It really helps us out. We want to reach a wider audience. Um, 
mostly because we like the conversation. We like doing contests and things like that. Uh, having a, a wider audience helps us do that. Um, you can also uh, talk to us on Twitter at GTTGPod. You can reach us by email at gttgp.pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash get to the good part. And as always, you can reach us at our website, gttgp.com. Secondly, before we go, I really want to thank our very first community guest, Aaron, for coming on the show tonight. Dude, Woo! it was so good having you. Thank you so uh, much. This uh, was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed this. So, and it'll be weird hearing my voice again in a couple weeks. But uh. yeah, yeah, we've been we've been living through that fucking nightmare for a few months now. <laughs> no, it, it was great. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, we'll have to have you on the ep- or on the show again. Um, it was it was oh, a lot be, of fun. It's be been awesome. great good getting to know you, and you know we look forward to in the future. We're going to have a lot more people from the community coming on the show. Uh, after all, you guys are the ones that propel us forward uh, in this endeavor. Uh, we've really loved doing the show so far, and we're going to keep going. Uh, come hell or high water until we reach Chapter 39 and finish Ready Player One. Beyond that, we don't really know what we're going to do yet. But we got plenty of time to think about that. And until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm John. I'm Chris. And go ahead, man. And I'm Aaron. And this was get to the good part we'll see you next time so long yeah ben you hear this guy totally full of shit right and ben's like uh uh i don't ben, does, you're kind of ben doesn't even to respond to I gotta, him. Gotta tell you now. he doesn't even respond he could have written it in the snow at <laughs> <Yeah>. hoth <laughs> ben you punched me in the hot dick hey with the hot dick? The hot what are you dick? doing? The hot dick. What is the hot dick? The hot. Hot. He's from Boston. Uh, oh. So punch him in the, the hot, hot dick. dick. Oh, okay. The I hot got you. dick. Sure. <laughs> I thought you said, like, the hot, like, temperature hot dick. Yeah. That's what I thought you said. That's <laughs> that too. You punched my me in my hot degree. dick. <laughs> my 103 degree dick. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. This has gone too far, clearly. <laughs>